0: Welcome to Almost 30. What's happening? What's happening, everyone? What's up? Mother's Day is right around the corner. Right around the so corner. This is your reminder to send out those cards. <laughs> Usually it's me the day before being like, okay, so yeah. I'm not going to get there in time. Can't wait till I have like an, assi- an assistant.
1: assistant.
0: <laughs> not to be like a biatch, but my assistant will be so amazing because they'll help me send a lot of stuff yeah. to my friends. Yeah. I, it-
1: Birthdays, anniversaries, yes. holidays. Holidays, everything. and I. I have so many moments where I shame myself over that. Mm -hmm. Like where I'm like, where, you know, say it's my sister's birthday and it's two days from now and I haven't done anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, oh man, Lens, you could be more thoughtful about it. You Mm -hmm. could do it in advance, but I don't know. I I feel like the intention and the thought is there. And I also don't want to be, like for me personally, when I get gifts, it's always nice, but I'm like, a phone call is like beautiful. 100%. 100%. Words are beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I truly don't need anything. Money is beautiful. I think that's why I kind of resist like sending just mm-hmm. like anything. I don't know.
0: I just, I guess I I always am like, God, please help me remember every date mm-hmm. that I need to. And that's why Facebook is, the only reason why Facebook is relevant for me Yeah, is remembering every date. But I feel like it's like I'll hear about things and I'm like, okay, noted. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure to remember that. But
1: it's so weird. I went, last time I was home, I just like grabbed a bunch of things from my old childhood room closet or whatever. And I grabbed um, this calendar from 2000 and it's a Backstreet Boys calendar, obviously. I was looking at like what I would put in there. The year so how old are you?
0: 12? So year
1: 2000, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I love
0: that because you got the calendar 13. and you're like, mom, what can
1: I write in here? Yeah, I'm 13. So I'm like sixth, seventh grade. Uh-huh. So I have- I have like all of my dance classes like scheduled in. I have like some of my friends' birthdays and my family members' birthdays and then all of a sudden I'm like Drew Barrymore's birthday.
0: Exactly.
1: Seth Green's birthday. Exactly. Brandy's birthday. Like, like Carson Daly? All of the literally I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't in there <laughs> or if he was in there like it was just so bizarre. I'm like written in milky pen obviously. I hate but, that. But what is, what is, what was that? I know. There was, at a very young age, kind of this feeling that- That mattered. That mattered. And that if I remembered it and thought about them and whatever, that, I don't know if it was like it would make me closer to them or one step <laughs> I know. closer to meeting them. I always felt like I'm going to marry so-and-so. I'm I gonna thought gonna I was going to marry Justin Timberlake. Like,
0: believe it until- you know what was the? Fu- I, cried. I saw the funniest tweet. They're like someone tweeted. They're like one of the biggest lies we were told when we were younger is how big J Lo's ass was. Wow! <laughs> and then the second one, they're like a second biggest lie that we were told is how sexy Justin Timberlake was. <laughs> 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 no, I was like, yo, the Justin Timberlake thing is so true. I mean, he is, but wh- I don't. Uh, yeah, and I now, know. I
1: know, I know. I don't.
0: Think. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I—I've changed. I—that's probably it. I've changed. Looking back, I'm like no, but like, I him was like now oh, cool. I'm like uh-huh. I love the Tar Heels because he loves the Tar Heels. <laughs> he played basketball. Like, like yeah, I thought. He, I thought honestly, I was. Like, this is very weird. Actually, I used to put um like J14 magazines. You know yes. how you'd like cut the yes. clip outs? and I'd put them all over my closet, and I thought they could see me totally. And so 100%. I'd be like walking around on my like phone. I'd be like, yeah, totally. I'll go out with you. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And I'd be saying like cool girl shit. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, what you like me? Like acting like they could literally hear me. So I'd sometimes I have it on one door, so I could shut the door and it'd be done. So I could take off the mask every once in a while <laughs> and not not be cool girl all the time. Put on your coke bottle glasses and be like, all right. and be normal. Yeah, literally, it'd be disgusting and normal.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, it was just so funny. And yeah, then the there was celebrity like, stuff is so
0: interesting. Book report. Bring your props. You know, like. Mm-hmm. But- <laughs> such a kid so in school but or you have also, like my bff you know you always have your best friend you're like my bff's birthday blah, of blah. course
1: of course yeah i need to i need to bring back some
0: some calendar ads that make me that mm-hmm. make me happy mm-hmm. okay. i was looking at, i had a journal when i was home over the holidays looking at old things i had this journal i don't know what was going on i wrote i love jesus all over this journal oh wow isn't that weird and now we're back. And now we're back. I was like, <laughs> "What was going on?" Like I was thinking, I'm like, "Who?" I don't remember having that. I don't remember. Did someone tell you to do that? Maybe, but I don't. Maybe if not. someone told me to do that, I wouldn't do it. I don't know how to describe it. Like it, it that wouldn't be something that I would take in as cool. I don't know how to describe it. It D- was. We- and no one thought it was cool. That wasn't cool then. When I was younger, it was probably when I was like ten or eleven. So I don't know what was going on. What about the like the seemingly haunted room. Do you think like saying that or Dude, raining maybe. that down would protect you? I don't know if it was like a Young Life phase where there was like a hottie in Young Life or something. Is Young Life Christian? Um, yeah, I think Young Life was oh. Christian in Ohio. Did you guys have that? I knew about Young Life. It but was like a Christian group in yeah. Ohio. They were like, come over for pizza. Dude, why did all of
1: those groups come from Ohio? Dude, O-Town? O-Town?
0: everything comes from Ohio. Oh no, O-Town's Orlando. O-Town's Orlando. O-Town's like fabricated. Yes. From Orlando. But everything else is from Ohio. Liquid dreams? Nick Lachey from Columbus. That's like our- Or I think he's from Cincinnati. That was like our big thing. Wow. 98 degrees. I actually follow Nick Lachey. No, not Nick Lachey. I'm
1: thinking of Nick Carter. Okay, move on. But I follow Nick Carter now, and it's just- It's so fascinating how normal and nerdy they are. When like they spent 20 years touring the world- Fifty thousand people in the You know what
0: I'm saying? Yes. People it's crying. Weird. I cried my ass off. Same. My mom was like, "Jesus, dude, gross. that freaks me out now." Thinking about it, like my dad was with us, just like bopping, and I yes. was falling. The feeling I, that I had. Oh, of course, is gross. Yeah. Ew. And like when the
1: lights would go, like go down right before they came out. I mean. Just the drop in the stomach and
0: the drop in the stomach. (laughs) Oh my god, you like are losing your fucking mind. Yeah, honestly, you're literally. (laughs) And honestly, I probably got fully ready as if they were going to see me. Ooh, I had like my fresh, (laughs) fresh shell tops. Yeah, as like a thirteen year old. Oh my god. Oh, Oh, that makes me feel some type of way. I was in sync though. Backstreet Boys, lame. Oh, dude, NSYNC I love Backstreet Boys. Ugh. Who was a 90 Degrees person? Not me. <laughs> Not me. But <laughs> well, we went to the concert, baby. 90 Degrees. Oh, my God. All of those like fabricated, manufactured boy bands. Remember, they had, used to have that show, Making the Band, yeah. remember? And mm-hmm. then they have For Women, too. Was that where Cheetah Girls came from or 3LW?
1: Yeah, I think it was 3LW. And then there was another one, Uh, Something Garden. So oh. Something
0: Savage Garden? No. No. Or what was the one? I remember the song. Kind of, I'm like jamming out to the song. Um, It was like car. I don't know know what it was. I bet you we could look them all up. All of the bands that were on Making the Band. (laughs) Dude,
1: (laughs) I love that show so much. I wanted to be in a girl band.
0: You did? Yeah, at some point, I'm sure. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Okay, Making the Band. Oh, created by Lou Pearlman. I was just thinking about Lou Pearlman. Who was a con artist. Skies. Skeezy con artist. He stole millions from all those boy bands. Stole millions from those boy bands. That's the whole thing. And there's actually a really great interview with Tabaz of Oh TLC. Mm-hmm. She was talking about how they literally made nothing. They, had, they were sold so many records oh, and because of their deal, so they sad. literally made nothing. But that was an interesting time for music for the way in which it was like definitely very machine. It was very Mm -hmm. much controlled by record labels. And now it's a little bit more free form because of the internet. It was just, it was freakily controlled by labels. Yes, yes. And now like, it's cool
1: because there are so many artists that aren't a part of a label or more so independent. I think Chance the Rapper is independent.
0: Mm -hmm. But like just kind of like paving the way where it's Mm -hmm. like also you don't Mac Miller was. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the one? Macklemore. was okay. independent.
1: But I'm sure you got to start out with a label.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I think you could blow the fuck up and then get a better deal. Yeah. You know, like the the Frank Ocean story is like my favorite ever before when he put out uh, Channel Orange. I think he was with Universal and then they had two and they gave him like 20 million for his next albums. And what he did because he had, um, so he signed a deal for like 20 million for two more albums. And after Channel Orange was so successful, he knew that he was going to get way more than 20 million. So he put out two albums that were basically sounds and you can find them online. (laughs) I forget what it's called, but it was just basically sounds and the label didn't really know anything about music. So they were like, okay, these are fine. So with those albums, it really didn't go anywhere. And then he after was out of that record label deal with Universal put out um, Blonde. Wow. Which was so crazy. Or I don't know if it was Ultra, actually, that they first signed him for. Genius. Yeah, he's literally iconic, you know, to do something like that. Anyways, music industry, boy bands, what do you know? What do you know? All right, today's
1: a a solo. I feel like I haven't done a solo in Mm -hmm. quite some time. Discipline discipline was the last one? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. That was so long ago. So I'm back. have done some deep therapy work and— what's come to the surface is some patterns or truths about the enmeshment uh, in my family. And I actually did not, would would have never thought that my family was enmeshed because it shows up a little bit differently than what I'm kind of used to what that might look like or what I've read about. And I say this from like a really neutral place of like knowing that, you know, my parents are and have done the best that they have can with what they know and what their experience have been growing up and just from their families in particular. And yeah, I think just as an adult to kind of view my upbringing from this vantage point has been pretty empowering, but also uh, really heartbreaking at times where I feel like because I'm creating boundaries and recognizing these patterns of enmeshment and choosing not to be a part of that dynamic any longer i do feel a, a bit of a separation and what i've come to learn and what you know what i continue to learn is that this is really healthy and that it does take yeah some just like badassery mm-hmm. in the way of like advocating for myself. You know, I think I so easily will be like, well, I'll make an excuse for someone and I will just abandon myself in the moment to make anyone else feel just a little bit better about, you know, their actions. And with the help and support of my therapist and conversations we've had on the show and some healing work, I've just really been able to begin the untangling of this enmeshment. So in this episode, I did a bunch of research just because I'm not an expert, but with my therapist and uh, through other books and things that I am reading, just a little bit of the, the science and the hard facts around like what enmeshment looks like and then how it's shown up for me specifically in my life and then how I've just begun to have these conversations and also, some of the things that I'm doing do not involve conversations, which I didn't expect. I always thought like, oh God, I'm gonna have to have a hard challenging conversation with someone I love. And I would say like 50% of this work is actually not that. It is so much of my own reprogramming and awareness and might seem at times like really subtle shifts that actually makes such a huge difference in the long run. And especially with the move, I'm gonna be closer to my family. And um, this is a really prime time for me to exercise what I've been learning and uncovering um, in that realm. And yeah, it's it's been
0: powerful. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Actually, the concept of a mesh yeah came into my awareness maybe a year or so ago. So I really didn't even understand, even when I was, I remember my Most, two of my closest people in my life have families that are enmeshed. And I remember in high school feeling like knowing this about my friend's family and I couldn't describe what was going on. I was like, they're controlling, but it's out of love. And they're not letting anyone be their own people, but it's out of love. And it's like this love, and this this isn't really Mm -hmm. in your situation, but it's this love used as manipulation. Mm -hmm. And it's really masking fear as love, saying yeah. that fear is actually love as a way that, pe- so people don't individuate, so people don't have their own opinion. Boundaries are really unclear or permeable. It's just a situation where within the family dynamic, I always feel like there's like, you can never rise above the energetics of the family. Yeah. And so when you start to raise your frequency or your vibration, it becomes very apparent to other people. And you obviously do that through boundaries and other personal work. But I think, being in an enmeshed family system is really, really taxing. And to uncover and really work with it is incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. I keep having to remind myself that doing this work is not separating myself from my family. It's more individuating Mm -hmm. because that feeling of like separating feels like like I said, kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, I just, as as I've, as I've continued to do this work, I realize how far it goes back mm-hmm. and how, for example, like one way it showed up in my childhood was oversharing. My parents would overshare with me, I'm the oldest mm-hmm. child, I think just as the oldest child, I always liked to make sure like everyone was okay. And it's kind of like second mom vibes. And I just felt like, oh, it's my responsibility to be there for my parents in that way. But that oversharing, you know, like obviously they didn't mean to, but this, crossed a boundary, you know, crossed kind of a clear line where I'm the child and they're the parent. And really during those moments was kind of blurred. Um, And so like the roles and expectations were kind of confusing. And then I've definitely carried that into adulthood where, you know, when I've tried to create a boundary, I feel like I'm letting them down. I feel like I'm being selfish. I feel like, like they're mad at me, Mm -hmm. you know, like they don't, they're confused and they just feel a certain way and they feel their own shame. So yeah, I just have been realizing just how far back it goes and just how deep it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of you out there have experiences with enmeshment, whether it's your family, extended family. And so I hope this will be uh, supportive and I'll give resources in this episode as well, just what has helped me along and then really what to expect too. So as far as you know, reactions from people that you're setting boundaries with and really what to expect from yourself mm-hmm. uh, when you begin to, to do this work um, of individuating
0: yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's huge. I'm really excited about this one. It's gonna be really beautiful. So another beautiful solo for you all on a meshment with Lindsay. Really excited about this one. If you guys want to watch on YouTube, we're on YouTube Almost30 Podcast. You can subscribe and watch us in video there. And then our Instagram. Our Instagram is poppin', almost 30 podcast. I'm on Instagram at it's Krista, I T S Krista. And I am at Lindsay Simsic. And almost30.com, we have a bunch of amazing courses and programs. We have Podcast Pro. If you're interested in launching, growing, or monetizing your podcast, you can go to almost30.com as a hub for all resources, the blog, the partners, everything like that is there. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all. And we'll see you on
1: the other side. See you soon. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I feel like I haven't done a solo episode in so long. It feels like a year. I'm like and I also feel like I've been learning and shedding and dying and rebirthing at light speed um every single day. So, I feel like uh yeah, it's it's the perfect time to sit down with you all and talk about something that I'm Dealing with in real time, which is, you know, something I don't normally do, I like to process and integrate and then share with you all. But I felt really good about the place that I'm in with this particular subject, which is enmeshment. By the way, I always thought it was enmeshment without the end, so learned something new in my research. <laughs> but I recently, in the last year, Realized that I have been in enmeshed relationships since I was young. And yeah, for the sake of just, you know, keeping certain things private and sacred um, within my family and friends, I am not going to give specific details and names about my experience with enmeshment. However, I am going to share the the description of enmeshment, what it is exactly, what it looks like. So My enmeshment might not look like yours, but I want to share the research that I've done and also uh, parts of the conversations I've had with my therapist about this because I was really interested. Once I found out that this was a thing, I was like, wow, it explains so much. And then I really want to focus on how it shows up for me as an adult and how I am dealing with it and healing it. It's been a really beautiful process, and I'm sure a lot of you out there will be able to relate. And I pray that, you know, even just me talking about it will help to shine a light on it and not give it as much power as perhaps you are giving it right now. The first thing I want to say before I go into what enmeshment is and what it looks like is that I have been really focusing on taking the negative charge away from these words. So when I hear enmeshment, I'm like, oh God, oh God, I'm, what? What, that, that is happening to me or that has happened to me or I've been a part of that? What do you mean? And, and what does that say about me? And, and can, I, can I fix it? And you know, all of these emotions come up when I hear the word because I feel like it has such a negative charge. And by the way, I'm sure there are therapists out there that will be like, enmeshment is bad and um, this is how you fix it. This is how you heal from it. But it's been really important for me to take away the negative charge and to actually see this experience as something that's, you know, I was meant to experience. I was meant to be a part of, I kind of take a very high, high perspective. I guess it's kind of woo woo and spiritual of like, you know, my soul dropped into this family system. And I'm sure in past lives, I was maybe the mom and my mom was my sister and my dad was my brother. I don't know, you know, and, um, in this lifetime, I've dropped into this family system. And, you know, the, the dynamics and the role that I played and the person that I am and who I am remembering I am is really perfect. And as painful as it can be sometimes, it is truly perfect. And I am here to always strive to become more and more of who I truly, truly am. And in seeing it from that perspective, I just have so much more compassion for my parents, for my siblings, for their parents, <laughs> for my parents, 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 um, because it is my belief that this enmeshment is so unconscious um, to my family and um, has been a response to their experience with their parents. and you know so on and so forth through the family lineage so i just have a lot of compassion you know i don't wish it to be any other way and i don't have i've come to the place where i just don't have that resentment towards anyone in my family for the way that dynamics have been and are and were and i find a lot of peace and and personal power in really taking responsibility for myself now as an adult and being able to recognize have awareness around this experience and be able to you know be what i need in this moment and make a different choice and really shift my own reality based on what i know now as far as how you know how i grew up and it's, it's, really, it's really a beautiful thing, I have to say, as hard as it can be sometimes. So let's get into it. Um, I'm going to read a description of enmeshment. By I, I was I was doing my research, and uh, Mind Body Green actually had an incredible article that was um, supported by a psychotherapist. His name is Daryl Appleton. But enmeshment is a description of a relationship between two or more people in which personal boundaries are permeable and unclear. And this often happens on an emotional level in which two people feel each other's emotions or when one person becomes emotionally escalated and the other family member does as well. Those are some examples. But this idea of the boundaries being permeable and unclear really, really struck me when I started to do my research and understand what enmeshment was. Because from my perspective at the time, boundaries within a family meant there were issues and we had to put up some boundaries in order to correct them. I never thought of boundaries as like this healthy part of a family dynamic. It always, again, the word boundary feels now, as an adult, I'm like, oh, there's that's strong, that's positive. But you know, if you would have said to me, you know, how are your boundaries with your family? I would have thought that was kind of a negative thing, as if it was separating me from my family, um, which is, you know, part of the enmeshment. So that was really, really striking to me when those boundaries are permeable and unclear or super, super. Blurry, yeah. I will. I will talk a bit about um, what that can look like, but I. I just want to also, when we read about things on the internet or in books, and we have these like fine print definitions of words and dynamics, I also want to leave room and space for. Your own experience and interpretation. So, this is a very like clinical description of enmeshment, but I'm sure that, you know, when I go into what this looks like, that you can create your own definition of enmeshment based on what I'm telling you. So, you know, don't hang on every word. I just want you to listen with an open mind and heart. And I know that your soul will just be like, ah, ping, yep. Yep, that's it. That's the part that really resonates and I can kind of use as my as one of my um, you know, definitions um or foundational pieces of yeah, my healing and understanding of what I've experienced and um who I am. So I would love to talk about just what this what enmeshment can look like. And our friend, Dr. Nicole LaPera did an incredible uh, post about enmeshment within families and what it looks like. Uh, She talks about lack of boundaries, which was in that definition I gave you. Extreme loyalty and secret keeping expected. This is a really interesting one. You can almost feel it. It's like you see it in movies. (laughs) And then you're like, wow, that also happens within my family. And You know, what I've experienced is this feeling of loyalty and keeping things within the family as, oh, this is a, this feels good. This feels solid. This feels like I am a part of a unit, a a part of a club almost. You know, it makes you feel important and seen when you are a part of a, a dynamic that, that holds a loyalty, that holds, you know, information secrets, I guess, is a very charged word. But, you know, as a child, especially, um, and I'm I'm sure a lot of you can relate, it's like you want to belong. And it is a matter of safety. When you are loyal to your family, when you are uh, able to be trusted, that means, from my experience, it's like, okay, then like, you are protected, and you are safe within the family. So, just thinking of yourself as a child—like, what did that? What did that feel like? That dynamic around loyalty and trust and keeping secrets. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's on paper a good thing, right? But what if those, that loyalty and those secrets uh, are not aligned to who you really are? And what if they uh, cross the line of res- personal respect? You know, like it can't be an across the board thing that, you know, our parents or our elders can expect from us, especially as children. It also could look like groupthink, shared emotions, thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And, um, you know, from my experience, this can happen kind of unconsciously, very unconsciously, where obviously, as children, you know, whether it's with an older sibling or a parent or a grandparent or aunts, uncles that are older, you know, we are e- extremely impressionable as children. And, want to be loved, accepted, and to feel safe. And so to take on the thoughts and beliefs of those around you and especially older than you is not uncommon. I absolutely would do that, whether it was like something silly or opinions of another person or politics or what have you, that was definitely something that I did. And... In conjunction with that, I also adopted kind of the thoughts and feelings and emotions around these beliefs. And so if my parents or grandparents, what have you, were affected in a certain way and emotionally affected, I as an empath especially would feel those emotions very deeply and or take them on as my own which you know completely blurs the line of yeah i'm just thinking about it in real time it really permeates that boundary of kind of adult child sovereignty and just basically for me i felt I felt very responsible and very, very deeply connected, but also very responsible for uh, my parents' emotions, my, you know, any family member's emotions. And that could be really heavy at times. Lots of confusion because I would think it was mine to solve and yeah, it would stress me the fuck out. It could also look like, over involvement in each other's relationships. So, like, lack of privacy. Um, this is something I didn't really experience, but I know a lot of you out there probably did. This could look like, you know, your parents just wanting to know everything about your life, possibly being hypercritical, judgmental, you know, masking it as wanting the best for you. But you know, just becoming so invested that they are emotionally affected if you make a certain decision. And yeah, I, I see that happening a little bit even as an adult for me, but uh, over-involvement in each other's relationships. And again, on paper, it's like, oh, if you're super interested in your family members' lives, like, does isn't that good? Isn't that a good thing? I'm learning now that, there are healthy boundaries when it comes to our own lives even within the family unit. Yeah. It also looks like lack of connection to authentic self, performing, achieving, or betraying self for approval. I have a unique experience with this because I grew up as a performer, dancer, singer, actor, and always wanted to perform and, you know, eventually was in rooms, uh, casting rooms to be picked. And so I always found validation in being picked. And I was in, you know, am in an industry, was, is, who knows, in an industry where I'm rejected a lot. So I kind of like strive for that validation of like being the one. And so I'm used to performing, I'm used to achieving. And for me, it's, it's interesting because it was like this, double, this doubly performing thing where I would be literally performing on stage, but then also, also performing in a way to get my parents' approval, um, to get other people's approval. And in doing so, I was really abandoning myself, my authentic self, you know? And I'm only now, like in my 30s, really connecting with her and understanding who she really is and understanding her needs and desires. And yeah, it's a really beautiful thing to be to be so conscious and aware of it now but yeah i really had to abandon my own thoughts feelings desires and needs at times because i felt like i needed to be a certain way in order to be to be loved i guess you know that sounds extreme i have, I have incredible parents who love me and support me very much i have incredible uh, an incredible family and so When I say this, it is not to say that I need, like they didn't give me love, I needed to earn the love. It was like always love was there. But I think within the, yeah, the complicated dynamic of enmeshment, of feeling like I was the one to make people feel better, feel happy. I just had that kind of weight on my shoulders, not that they intentionally put it there, but I just absorbed that and performing and kind of not being my authentic self all the time was the way in which I thought I could do that. Um, another, another way enmeshment within families can show up is shame or guilt in wanting time alone or wanting to choose something outside of family. Approval, yeah. I I feel like there are millions of examples of this, and I would love for you to take a moment and maybe think about how that might have shown up for you or shows up for you—the shame or guilt in wanting time alone or wanting to choose something outside of family approval. And to be completely honest, I feel like I have chosen things um, outside of the norm pretty consistently with my family, and they've always been super—they've been super supportive. You know, I left home after college uh, or after college, after high school, (laughs) after high school, I went to college and I basically didn't live at home. Again, I did for like a couple months, but, but really I've, I've been on my own in that sense since I was about 18. And I've always I've always valued my alone time. They they actually are very supportive of that. So I haven't experienced that. Although this idea of choosing something outside of family approval, in my experience, it doesn't feel like family approval. It feels like outside of like the family comfort zone is kind of what I've experienced, whether it's, you know, you're a teenager and you have a friend over who's a little different than like, You know, maybe how you grew up, meaning uh, if this child's parents are super lax, my parents were very strict, super lax, and they're able to do whatever they want. You know, always felt a little threatening to to my parents because they were worried about like how that would influence me, right? By the way, all of these things are are very well-intentioned, you know, as a really good parent. Like you just naturally worry about your child and worry about outside influence. And I also think what I would like to add to the definition of enmeshment is this lack of communication and connection around these thoughts, feelings, and dynamics. So really it's playing out unconsciously and me as a child is just Understanding this as normal, um, and understanding this as home and comfortable, and so I'm more apt to like recreate this in my teens and adult life. And so, you know, now I am just very focused on how can I just like how can we talk about this? How can we shine a light on this dynamic and? You know uh, this relationship and 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 this pattern, but I feel like there really was no talk of it. So, for example, you know, if if there was a pattern of my family feeling uncomfortable with kind of like an outside influence or you know something that they do not approve of. I don't remember necessarily like a conversation around it. I'm sure there was like brief explanation, but not to the point of like really truly feeling and understanding it. And I think that would have helped me to not internalize um, some of these choices and feelings that they had. Um, More on that later. I... I love, I love, love, love this description that um, Dr. Nicole created, um, and just gives very good examples of how this of how this shows up. So you can find that on her Instagram. I also wanted to add a few of uh, my own from my own research criticism. So um, this idea that. You are never good enough, which always keeps you striving within, you know, the family system or within, even if it's a friend dynamic, always keeps you striving to be good enough. Possessiveness, so there, there could be patterns of possessiveness within the family system or even your friendships, and that could, you know, drum up a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, anxious attachments. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't really experience that personally, but I know um, a lot of, a lot of people that have also, you know, we mentioned blurred boundaries, but this, this like amorphous, I don't even know what to describe. It's like, we change roles. (laughs) It's like feeling like you're more of a mother in a moment, right? And your mother might be more of the child in the dynamic or with your father, you know, it it just depends, but just kind of feeling as though the roles are kind of flipped and off. And again, those lines are blurred. And as always, just like calling in the compassion, because, you know, we can only imagine that our parents, our parental figures have learned this and also are responding to perhaps yeah like just trauma that has not been looked at and healed and and integrated so i just have a lot of compassion you know there there's no part of me that is like fuck them um there's just every part of me that is like wow i feel so so lucky to be able to yeah do a little bit of digging every single day on myself. And through that, I get to know myself, but I also get to know the people I lo- love most, you know, my family and my dear friends. It really is, I know that it can be overwhelming. and know that it can be daunting to do this work and to, to actually face some of these truths about how we grew up. And this is like, this is a part of why we're here you know and and don't take it lightly you will you will also inspire others to do this work as well and see things that they've never seen before as well and heal things that they didn't even know were unconsciously running their lives so I'm just like deep in deep gratitude for real, um, as I as I do this work. Okay, so i I want to talk about just how how this is showing up for me as as an adult. <laughs> I'm 33. I'll be 34 soon, and there were you know I've been in therapy for about two years, and no. More than two years, like two and a half consistently, and there were just pieces of my puzzle that I was like, huh, okay, this is a pattern. what is this connected to?" and this enmeshment realization was a huge piece of the puzzle, and I honestly can breathe so much more deeply around those specific quote issues because I just have a greater and deeper understanding of where it comes from. And then I'm able to at a high level understand These are the conversations that I want to have with these particular people. This is the awareness I want to have around this particular pattern or reaction that I always have. This is now how I want to show up in my romantic relationship. This is how I want to show up in my friendships. It truly is so empowering when you realize what subconsciously has been running your life. Okay. So I want to talk about how it shows up for me. I want to talk about how I'm dealing with it and healing it. And then I want to talk about what you can expect when you start to do this untangling work. So for me, this is how it shows up. My happiness, my emotional state will mirror that of my family or friends. So. For example, if I have made a big decision and I share it with a friend or I share it with a family member and their reaction is uh, one of judgment, of sadness, of uh, anger, of uh yeah, just anything other than like, oh, awesome, happy for you. <laughs> I will take that on. Um, I, I might start to doubt my decision. I might um, actually be angry or sad myself. It's as if this like kind of dark cloud comes over me and I'm unable to shake it and really stand proud in my decision um and thirdly you know i will take on their emotion and reaction as something that i need to cater to coddle or fix or you know just take care of and it's exhausting to be to be frank it is completely exhausting i have done so much work around this and I'm proud to say that i am light years ahead of where I was, and I am able to remain in my own energy body, an emotional body. I am able to more quickly and honestly recognize that the, you know these reactions that I am receiving and the emotions that I am taking on and receiving, are projections and truly have nothing to do with me and my decision, but how my decision and or who, how I am who I am um, makes this person feel about themselves or about their role in my life. And it took me a while to get so quick and clear about that. But now I am able to spot it in an instant. It does not make it an easier Moment, but it does just give me so much more confidence and power in the moment. And you know, normally, just to kind of uh, go deeper on this particular example, I will, I will not react. <laughs> I will listen, and I will consciously. Not validate this person's feelings. Sounds savage, but it's necessary. So I will listen. I will hold space if they need to tell me how they feel, but I will not validate and say, oh, yeah. I know it's so hard and you know and and give excuses for myself and for the other person and why the, or over explain why my decision is a good decision. I will ask for space. I will just say, you know, I I hear you and I respect how you feel and you know, I need a little bit of time to um respond to just what you said or how you feel. And that is a healthy boundary. Take the space, take the time, because for me, my body begins to react. I feel it in my body. My stomach will drop. I will kind of get all tinglys all over my body. I will feel, yeah, sadness in my body a little bit. And so I need space and time because I need to quickly come back to my own energy and out of there energy. And then I'm able to ground myself in my own truth and in my decision and who I am. And then only then will I come back to them with my thoughts with a firm boundary and that's that's pretty much it. And I am practicing this in real time. It is equally hard as it is invigorating and liberating. So just know that, you know, as you navigate this, as you have those hard conversations, is it is equally hard, liberating, and invigorating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. This also is showing up for me in my adult life as blurred boundaries across the board. So I am on, un- because the boundaries were blurred as a kid and and a teen, I have a really hard time establishing solid boundaries. I'm getting so much better. So maybe I shouldn't say it's really hard for me all the time. I am getting so much better, but it, 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 it took me a long time because I didn't exactly know what that looked like. I didn't want to hurt anyone or make anyone feel uncomfortable. But what really shifted my perspective on boundary establishment is that a boundary is healthy for me and the other person, despite their reaction when you set the boundary. If I am allowing poor behavior or if I am allowing a pattern to persist that does not evolve people into a higher version of themselves, then I am not assisting in someone's growth. I am actually thwarting their growth. And so my boundary, it actually has the potential to spark someone's growth. And that sounds egotistical, but damn, it's true. So do not rob the people you love of moments where they can learn something about others, themselves, and who they really are by being really lazy. (laughs) That was mean. By being (laughs) scared to set a boundary. I was like lazy to set a boundary. (laughs) That's how I feel about myself. Sometimes it's just hard work, so I get lazy. I'm like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Holy moly. But you feel me on that? Do not rob people of an experience where they could learn something about themselves and step into a higher version and closer to their higher self. It is so real. Okay, this also looks like, for me, projections. I am being projected on a ton. And I project onto others. Is it improving? A hundred percent. Does it still happen? Oh yeah. But is my reaction or res- you know response to these projections much different, which changes my reality? Hell yeah. That's where I'm at. So. As a kid, as a teen, as a young adult, I was projected on, as most of us are, right? Most of us are projected on. Most people haven't, <laughs> our parents' generation and older haven't, this is a broad generalization, so excuse me if yours have, but most have not done the very, very deep healing work and uh You know, I pray for that actually every day because, yeah, I just, I feel so lucky with all the resources and ways in which I am able to dig the fuck in to my my healing. And I just feel like our parents and any generations older did not have that and did not have those resources and abilities and permission. And oof, my heart just like breaks a little bit because- yeah, they deserve it too, but it's never too late. And that, therefore I really, I, f- I feel that importance of the work that I do on myself. Am I expecting it to change anyone else? No, but the possibility of it possibly changing other people is, is quite high. So stay with it. Um, but yeah, these projections are, ooh, can be so painful because it's really not about us, but it is about an experience of another being projected onto us, which sometimes becomes our own reality and we start to believe it as our own truth and it gets very confusing. So I need you to be a Jedi when it comes to projections, as if it's like a projector being projected onto you, like visualize it like that. That's kind of how I see it. In my meditation, I'll see it in my mind's eye, where I'm like seeing this projection on on my you know energy emotional body, and I'm able to with my own intention clear it, turning off the projector light, <laughs> moving it, sending it away from me, um, sending it back to that person to be integrated. And I know it sounds woo-woo, but I, I truly have felt the difference in just shifting it off of me, knowing that it's not my own, not mine to hold, not mine to heal, not mine to fix. And when I do that, I simultaneously root in my own truth. What is real? What is true to me? Let's speak that out loud. Let's live that. So my heart goes out to you if you feel projected on constantly, but just know that you have the power to shift these projections, how you react to them, how you respond to them. Another way this shows up for me in my adult life is I think about how my family or my friends will react to anything I do say, decide to do. I am more worried about how will it affect them? Will they feel uncomfortable? Will they feel insecure? Will they feel proud? Will they feel ashamed? Rather than thinking about how I would feel if I didn't do it. So there have been so many times in my life where I have not done the thing or said the thing that is true to me and that my soul desires because i am so wrapped up in how it will make others feel. So in that moment i am abandoning how i feel in order to make others just you know, less uncomfortable. And again, we are robbing. I i've robbed so many people of growth that i'm trying to make up for it. I really am. <laughs> oh man, but do you guys feel that? Like, do you ever abandon yourself because you're just like so worried and are just tired of like, ugh, fine, like I won't do it. I won't say it. I won't feel it because it makes you uncomfortable because you're afraid to sit in your own shit. I'm being a little harsh right now, but you know what I mean? Meanwhile, you're over here doing so much of the self-work, sitting in your own shit (laughs) and you're catering to people I'm catering to people who are not willing to sit in their own shit. Let's change that. Another way it shows up for me is a difficulty in individuating. So I've always considered myself, again, using words. I'm like, I'm an individual. I'm independent. You know, I've always felt and said that. But when it comes to individuating and really being myself and really living my truth and what I believe and what I want to do, and my soul's calling, and who I, you know, it's just, I have seen the discomfort in others that are close to me. And it's hard for me because it feels like we are no longer going to be close. It feels like a divorce. It feels like they are no longer going to want to be around me. It has felt like a grieving process. And so it's been really important for me to, one, be what I need in those moments where I feel like I am being, you know, either abandoned, judged, what have you, and really being my own best friend, my own cheerleader, my own support system, first and foremost. And then, you know, getting to a grounded place where I can have a conversation with this person, these people, right? Because individuating, being your own person is incredibly healthy. It's incredibly healthy. And oftentimes when we individuate, I hope that's a word. (laughs) When we individuate, it is triggering something within other people around their own ability to be themselves and individuate. So, you know, I have this awareness that it's really not about me. It just does not make it easier because I literally feel it in my body. It's like this primal response of like, no, like I need you. Like, I need you to feel safe and feel alive and stay alive. You know, it is literally a feeling in my body. And so I'm working on it. I can't, you know, I I don't want to go into too much because I'm literally still processing this and working on this in real time. But I hope that just gives you an idea, you know, if you are dealing with that, that this is kind of a part of that enmeshment experience. I, I also experience now just a lot of things that are unsaid. So I, I now know that thorough, honest, deep communication with people you love about how you feel no matter if they agree with you or not is incredibly healthy. And what I have experienced, whether it's me perpetuating it or amongst a dynamic that does this, which is just like not saying how we really feel. So I am notorious for that no longer because I have chosen a different path. But I'm, I am i was notorious for that. Just not saying how I feel because I am either insecure about it, I'm afraid of what people will think, I am unsure, I doubt myself, I have a fear of actually standing in my truth, all of those things. And therefore my lack of communication kind of sets the standard and precedent for how my relationships go. And so I just have experienced like a lot of things that are unsaid. And so now I'm trying to change the pattern. I'm trying to update the system of my life and set a new standard and precedent for communication, which is that we say how we feel with love, with an open heart. We say how we feel and and what we desire and what we maybe need from the other person because that will bring me closer to them rather than from my past experience, it uh, creating distance between me and another person. I'm actually... Yeah, I'm healing that in real time. I could get, yeah, it's like kind of making me emotional because yeah, just that feeling of saying how you really feel and that fear of someone pushing you away because you said how you really feel is just so scary and can be so sad. So I just like wanna send a big hug to myself and to anyone out there who just feels that way. You know, we... We are meant to express ourselves truly, fully, and completely here to witness you and just support you in that. Woo. Okay. I want to close. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening, by the way. And my prayer is always that this is clear. And sometimes I have insecurities around, is this clear? This is just kind of coming out of me and especially because this is kind of like things i'm working on now i just i pray that like something is landing with you but i want to share just how i am dealing with it and healing it so first and foremost like the fact that i have awareness around this now is just the biggest gift on earth it is it is it is and so if you're sitting here being like oh my god this is me oh my god this is my family oh my god this is my you know friendship dynamics oh my god Take a deep breath and just thank your higher self for bringing this awareness to you. And you are going to use this awareness as your superpower. This this subconscious patterning and this experience no longer has power over you because you are shining a light on it. So congratulations, congratulations. I'm also, you know, doing different uh, healing modalities, especially breathwork, um, to move through some of this. Um, I do breathwork because oftentimes I am activated by these dynamics, by these patterns in my body, and so breathwork for me is such a beautifully physical healing. And so in the breathwork pattern. I am able to access, yeah, like blocks and knots and density in my physical body, in my energetic body that are holding some of these memories and experiences and thought patterns. And I am quite literally able to see them for what they really are through this breathwork and release them. It is truly a miracle. It's miracle work. Um, And breath is free. So there's that. Although if you would like to be facilitated, I highly recommend my friend Brie Melanson who offers breath work virtually. Um, She does sessions, I think about once a month, briemelanson.com, follow her on Instagram. She is just an angel on earth, a true light worker and just helping people to heal and to Know themselves wholly and completely as, um, yeah, as just as God, as God made. So breathwork, I highly recommend. I am also dealing with this in real time by creating boundaries. and these are energetic. These are literal. These are boundaries between me and other people, boundaries between me and past me because sometimes she tries to creep in and I'm like, oh no, 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 babe. Nah, you're not welcome here. And I love you. You served your purpose, but not here. I'm running the show. So yeah, boundaries are so important. I would highly recommend reading uh, Boundary Boss by Terry Cole and also following uh, Nedra Tawab on Instagram, just incredible resource on boundaries. I I I'm doing it in real time and practicing. So when I come back a boundary expert, I will I will speak to that, but establishing those boundaries is so important. Make it a practice, write it down if you need to as a reminder, put alarms in your phone like this needs to become a part of your healthy relationships. When a friend or family member sets a boundary, you know what I say now? Hell yeah. I love that. Thank you thank you because I know you're taking care of you and it also empowers me to take care of me and set my own boundaries. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also healing this by having hard conversations. Oh, Oh, your girl talks for a living and is having a really hard time having hard conversations. You know, sometimes the words are not there. Sometimes my emotions just drive the whole conversation, which I don't want to shame myself for that. But you know that feeling of being so emotional that like I can't even speak. You know, the tears are just flowing and the knots in my throat and I can't even speak. I just feel ungrounded. And so I, yeah, it's it can be really hard for me. And so I've been doing a lot of practices where I am practicing the hard conversation in my car, in the shower. And I I am feeling what it feels like to be in my body, grounded and calm when having this conversation and almost memorizing what that feels like. Memorizing what that feels like. And then I am also prior to these hard conversations I'm communicating with that person's higher self. I am asking my higher self to communicate with their higher self and just, you know, kind of having a pre-conversation, you know, whatever that looks like for you. But I just, I know that their higher self knows what's up and, you know, signed the contract of this experience. And so, Instead of kind of playing to the person's ego and, yeah, just shadow, really, unintegrated shadow, I am talking to the higher self, and this just helps me to stay out of the ugh, the muck in the conversation. When I've already had a conversation with their higher self, I am able to just kind of stay in my own truth and understanding of the the highest, the highest good for all in the situation when I'm speaking to this person in real time. So that has been super, super helpful. And then, you know, the part of the way I am dealing with this and just kind of like managing is, you know, recognizing that so much of this is unconscious for this other person or other people, that this dynamic, this pattern, this web, of enmeshment is unconscious and has been, you know, possibly a response to trauma has been a way in which to feel safe themselves is just a repeat of a pattern that they were shown and taught. So I just, it really helps me to think about that. Even though sometimes it makes me sad. It's just like, wow, this is another human being living, living in a way that is so, indicative of their experiences and, I ju- and just upbringing and trauma and unhealed wounds. And so I, I just have a lot of compassion, you know? And it just reminds me that, you know, I have the power to change my experience and it would be a bonus if their experience changed as well. But I'm really responsible for changing my own experience, you know? And it's kind of cool to think that I, especially in a family system and you in your family system are, are breaking the pattern and you're breaking the pattern for future generations. It's like, it's incredibly powerful. I know it's a lot of responsibility to think about, but like, this is incredibly powerful. So just really, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. Okay, y'all this was this was actually very therapeutic for me. <laughs> I'm getting ready to have a few more hard conversations and around this. But, you know, I just really I, I am realizing in this moment just the power of speaking to it, of shining a light on it. And I am really excited for you to yeah, just gently and compassionately recognize perhaps where enmeshment shows up in your life, where you've experienced it, or maybe a friend or family member has experienced it and you can understand them better knowing what you know now about enmeshment. But you are powerful. You are a creator of all things, of all experiences, of your reality, you no longer have to be reactive to your circumstances or to the dynamics in which you were born or to the dynamics within which you find yourself. Choose to create rather than react because now that you really see what this is all about, The enmeshment dynamic, especially, you can choose to create rather than react. I love you dearly. I am honored to share these little pieces of my life with you. When I'm recording this, I am about a week out from moving to New York, and you know, I plan on just kind of cocooning a little bit with all of this stuff, you know, and. I'm sure I will share with you more in due time, but I am just giving you also permission to cocoon with some of this stuff that you're, that you're chewing on and healing. You don't have to share it all on Instagram. You don't have to do a solo podcast on it. <laughs> you know, you can take time to chew on it and, um and really set those boundaries and create that space for yourself. And um, I'm honored if, If this was helpful to you and you found it supportive, I just am honored to be a part of your life in a little way. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. I will see you on the next one if you'd like to ask questions or just share with me how this Im- impacted you, this episode, this discussion. You can follow me on Instagram at Simsic and DM me, please, please, please. I would love to chat with you. Tag me if you share this episode, send this to a friend or family member. And yeah, I'm proud of you. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks everyone for listening. I really appreciate your support and definitely DM me. I know a lot of you are um, experiencing this, detangling your enmeshment. So here to support you and make sure you check out the resources in the show notes. Um, You can follow me at Lindsay Simsek. Make sure you follow Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram and Krista is at It's Krista, baby. It's
0: Krista, baby. (laughs) We want to thank our sponsors for this episode. We have amazing brands that we work with have been working with for a while. We use and love these brands. We have a great spot on our website under our partner section. You can check out for more information on the discount codes. Naked Cashmere, which I'm wearing right now,
1: Four Sigmatic, Paleo Valley, Blue Blocks, and Headspace. You can find information in our show notes, as Krista said, and on almost 30com Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe. And if you're called and love the show, please share these episodes with a friend or family member who could use this type of information and support.
0: Yes, we'll see you on the next one. We love you. Bye. Bye.